Warning, this podcast is rated F'd up for profanity, sexual violence, and potentially disturbing material. If I were you, I'd turn back now. Okay, guys, we're recording. We're recording? Well, I guess that means I have to welcome everybody back to the shit show that is the Macabre Academy. Currently, my cat is being a little shit, so if you hear me yelling at her throughout the podcast, that's what that's about. And then, other than that, uh, what's going on with you guys? We have our lovely Steph. Hello. Our nerdy witch here. And we also have the lovely Eric back with us. Aw, thank you. Look, we get to see his face on the video. I I was shocked when I logged in. I was like, who is... Oh, that makes sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, last time we recorded, I was... was ready for sleep i was laying in bed so there was no point in having the video on me because you'd have just been looking at a black screen anyway hey kev what's uh what's going on with the world what uh current events do you have for us this week well currently there is a giant container ship (laughs) stuck in the canal of panama what if it it stays there any longer and keeps blocking shit they're gonna rename it bitch mcconnell the Suez Canal. I thought Panama first, too. And I was like, why do they keep talking about going around the Horn of Africa? And then I realized that I don't know my geography. Oh, neither do I. What is that? <laughs> Bully. Wasn't that? A, who was that? Teddy Roosevelt. Didn't he build the Panama Canal? I, I believe. His wow. instrument. Wait, you're more you're laughing about the ship container, but you don't know who built the Pamina, Pam, Pamela. <laughs> Kid Rock built the Pamela Canal. <laughs> or maybe destroyed it. Could go either way. It was probably not in the best of shape when he got to it. hey I'm looking up Panama Canal because <laughs> now I feel like I need to know this. <laughs> Steph, is la- Steph is laughing, but nothing was coming through. <laughs> it was just silence, and I just saw her cackling. I'm like, I- what is happening here? I didn't pick up half my cackling. And I'm like mouthing it. Like my mouth uh, is right on it. So it should be picking it up. Well, currently 10% of the world's uh, cargo has been disrupted by this ship that has wedged itself in there. Oh, so nicely. Can't they just take everything out of it and blow it up? That seems like the American way. Yeah. Except this isn't America. It's in Egypt, I think. So what they need to do is hear me out here. Cause I figured, I figured out how to fix this already. Okay. Rollers. Right, you put rollers through the desert. You put the ship on the rollers, and you put a big sail up, and just let the wind take care of it. <laughs> Egypt can do some great shit with rollers. Are you uh, uh, an ancient roller theorist now? Yes. <laughs> so you just float the ship on the rollers through the desert. They on a horse with no name. You know, they do do that. They um, do like, um, we saw that with the, with the fucker Watts case. They like, you can sail across the sand and sandboard and sort of snowboard and shit. They actually have like wind rollers. That's how you fix this. Rollers. Rollers. Speaking of uh, rolling, let's roll with the podcast topic, huh? Ooh. Was that a good segue? I felt like I forced it. You can no, force it every you, now you, and then. You rolled with it. I love that I have two of you that pun. It is my favorite thing. So I still have not gotten told a punny joke from the, the dare on the Watts case. I'm still waiting. From the Patreons. Well, it's because you left your cat locked outside. So if you had the cat in the, in the studio, more people would be apt to do it. I just feel ah, okay. for your cat. She has a whole rest of the house. But she doesn't have her people. She was biting her people before I, I came in here. That's, That's how they all show love. Or aggression, either one. Or they're hungry. <laughs> she loves me so much it hurts. Maybe she got tired of waiting for you to die before she ate you, so she decided just to eat you now. <laughs> yeah, what are we talking about today? <laughs> well, currently we're talking about your cat eating you. <laughs> I mean, pussy can love some pussy. It's fine. 
Did I ever tell you about how much everybody else around me hates the word cunt, but it is my favorite word? I don't mind it at all. No, I, I dropped it in the bakery the other day and they were like, oh, and I called myself a cunt and they still went. And I looked at him. I was like, I have one. I can use the word. <laughs> it's Polish for slit. I don't, I don't understand. Why is the word cunt so offensive? Wrong That's continent. Yes. Wrong, wrong language there, Steph. Well, yeah. Did you not work with me for the last year? Girl I went to college with said, I think it's funny. It sounds like a fruit. Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay, so speaking of strong language, we have to blanket warning. Can we whole- I think we should Afghan like like Afghan. I can say we can we can I can make an Afghan to blanket the whole episode. just Afghan because it seems cozier. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's some some strong sexually violent themes. In this, so if you get triggered, don't listen for the entire next two parts, next two episodes, this one and the next one. Yeah, just take these episodes off. Go back, listen to some other stuff. Yeah, go listen to Peyton and the Slender Man. I like that one a lot. There's that one. There's the Nirvana one. There's a whole bunch of them you can go back to. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a fun one planned after this because I'm happy I found a true crime case that I didn't cry and lose sleep over. So I think I think this is going to be a good one. We can also go back to the uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg episode. Take a listen to that one again. That was also all kinds really of good. options. It's the only two I've ever done research for. You got to spearhead one of these, Kev. It's it's your turn. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, anyway, the, the divine muse is much must speak before Kev finds the subject. Yes. Mm-hmm. So today we are going to be talking about. Elizabeth Smart. Okay, pause for dramatic pause. You know what? When the when the name first came across my my, you know, you should watch this documentary thing. I was at first thinking Black Dahlia for like half a second because I think her name was Elizabeth as well. So, well, Steph uh, Google's here. Other search engines are available, not sponsored. Oh, something definitely hit the ground. Oh, her name's Elizabeth Short. But yeah, that's what made me think about it. You should do the Black Dahlia. You should go check on your cat. I really should. You go ahead and start. I'm going to try to find out what the heck Maggie's up to. Hold on. Something just won't. Okay. So Stephanie is going to check on her cat, and we're going to dive into the episode. Finally. We're talking about Elizabeth Smart, as we said. And she was a happy-go-lucky 14-year-old girl. Uh, She was also a Mormon who loved to play the harp and happily ever after stories about princesses, as most people do. On On June 4th, 2002, she spent the morning at her grandfather's funeral. Later that evening, she was asked to play the harp at her school for an awards ceremony. She had had a few awards to collect. Yes, I think Steph left a word out there. Anyway, she had a few to collect herself, is what I wrote. It implied the awards from the prior sentence. Yes, I guess it does. Yep. I left no words out. Not in that sentence. She had these awards because apparently she was a very excellent student. Lois, her mother, remembered that they were running late because the mother had burnt some potatoes for dinner. And she had to crack open the back window to let some of the smoke out and get some fresh air in. Apparently, it's also a bitch to try to load up five children and a harp into the car, which you really need is a traveling harp, like a foldable harp, right? Packed up real neatly, and then you just maybe a lyre. There you go. That is an underused musical instrument in 2021. So I feel like you should be able to strap the harp to the roof of the car instead of a, like a ski rack, a harp rack. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly aer- aerodynamic. It's not like it would catch a lot of resistance. You can also put it on the back trailer hitch of the car like people do with bikes. Just slide it in there, strap it down. Sounds like me. Just strap it down and slide it in. 
Hey, <laughs> Elizabeth and her little sister, Mary Catherine, uh, they were very close. They shared a bedroom and would read a book every night before bedtime prayers. That night, Elizabeth was read aloud the book Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. The description of the book for those who did not see the Disney adaptation, at her birth, Ella of Frau Frau. uh, receives a foolish fairy's gift. The quote-unquote gift is of obedience. Ella must obey any order, whether it is to hop on one foot for a day and a half or chop off her own head. Uh, but strong world Ella does not accept the fate, except her fate, uh, against a bold backdrop of princes, or ogres, giants, wicked stepsisters, and fairy godmothers. Ella goes on a quest to break the curse forever. This is where I need Brandy, because she, she would have seen this. I have also seen it. It's really good. All right. So I guess, yeah, that's fine. Around 2 a.m. on June 5th, Elizabeth is woken up from a dead sleep. There's a dark figure of a man that's like nudging her awake. He had pressed a knife into the side of her neck and forced her out of bed. Now, her and her sister share that room. So she was asleep. And this dude is ushering her to the closet to report retrieve a pair of shoes because they're, they're going to fucking leave. Uh, she was being told, like, I'm taking you for uh, hostage for ransom. If you scream, if you yell, I'll kill your family. I will kill you. Though there was an inkling that maybe the family was already dead. You know, both girls were like, uh, maybe they're already dead. I don't know. But she's like, all right, I don't want any of my family to die. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this fucker. So they traveled through a vacant light lot, right? Like they crept out the back, went through a vacant lot. And then all of a sudden, like this man forced her down into some shrubbery because he sees a police car's headlights. The man began to pray. He said, God, if this work be true, let this car pass. And then the next breath, he whispers in her ear, if you move, I will kill you. And then this police car just right back, just drove the fuck by. So he continues to lead her by pressing this knife firmly into her back. And she's like, whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up. If you're going to rape and kill me, can you just like do that now and get it over with? And now this fucker replies, if you can imagine a twisted grin on this this guy's face. Oh, I'm not going to rape and murder you yet. Elizabeth is like, what? Hold what up. a badass line by her, though. Yeah. She's, yeah. Let's get, let's get it over with. I mean, she's 14 years old. So, I mean, she's not entirely stupid. Right? <clears throat> she knows what's up. And, you know, I think that's a testament to, um, like, some badassery to come up with that. You know, that as a solution, like, if you're going to do it, can you just get it? I mean, at 14, you're already kind of angsty and just want to die anyway, so just. 14, 15, 39, 48, you know. So let's just get this over with. Pretty much. So Elizabeth apparently tried to bargain with him. Like, if you just let me go, my family won't press charges. And that'd be a lot better for you than if you get caught, because that's going to be bad. And this cocky motherfucker is like, nah, nah, I'm going to get away with it. I'm definitely going to get away with it. Mary Catherine was actually awoken when her sister was taken. She remained in bed too frightened to move, which is completely understandable. She was unsure if the stranger was still in her home, but she did know that she had to get, she had to, get to her parents' room and tell them what had happened. When she finally worked up, worked up the courage, her parents were in utter disbelief. 
they said that this had to be a bad dream and she had to be somewhere in the house. The rest of the children are woken up and they scour the home for Elizabeth. Mary Catherine is like, guys, she is seriously not here. Somebody fucking took her. I may have added some emphasis in there. Yeah, good. I appreciate that. Sounds like a, a young Mormon girl would say that. Of course she would. Lois got to the kitchen and found that she had left the window open and the screen in the window had been cut. The police were called and within 15 minutes, the whole neighborhood, you put whole neighbor, not whole neighborhood, get your shit together. You had time to preview the notes. I said it right, didn't I? You did. He's learning to adjust for my my errors. I just like calling you out on it. Well, when you type the entire script next time. So the podcast dies tonight then? <laughs> the whole neighborhood <laughs> was out. We're looking for Elizabeth within 15 minutes. Uh, fun fact for you. The graveyard shift is often where the youngest police officers are assigned. Due to their inexperience and due to their inexperience, the crime scene became badly contaminated. It wasn't sealed properly and nothing was taped off. The a stupid amount of people were just coming and going with no logs being kept. Oh, yeah. When that neighborhood showed up, they fucking showed up. And they were like in the house, out of the house, in the house, out of the house. Nobody taped shit off. Seems like they should have taken the parents to a neighbor's house and they could have all fucked up that neighbor's house while they actually gathered evidence. Right? But they didn't because they were young, dumb, and full of cum. So by morning, Elizabeth found herself on top of a mountain as they approached a hidden camp. A man called out, Hetzibah, and a woman answered, Emmanuel. So Emmanuel is now this guy's name. Now, just, I don't think I put a visual description in here for you, but let's, let's go with it. This guy has got this long, matted, unkept hair with a long, matted, unkept beard, right? So he looks like one of those strange prophet motherfuckers from, like, back in the day. And now when she's walking up to this camp, this woman is in robes, and he's in white robes, and it looks weird as shit, all right? And then he takes her and makes her go in the tent, sits her on a little stool or a crate, I can't remember which one, and he kneels down to wash her feet. He leaves the tent and sends Hetzibah in to take care of the rest. Now she's like, all right, take off your clothes. And Elizabeth's like, mm, yeah, well, I don't want to do that. She goes, you're gonna. Okay. So he gives her, she gives her a white robe. And she was so like, she like tried to change out of her clothes under the robe until they got to the underwear part. And she was like, no. And had to buzz like, you're going to take that shit off or I'm going to take it off for you. However you want to do this. You want to do it the easy way or the hard way. So she's like, okay, fine. Hands over the underwear. Now, Emmanuel comes back in and he explains to Elizabeth that she was now his wife with God and angels as his witnesses. And it had come time to consummate the marriage. Now she goes, hold up, bad idea, okay? I'm a kid, I haven't even started menstruating yet. And the guy goes, huh, hey, hey, Hatsabuh, is this okay? She hasn't started her period yet. Hatsabuh thinks on it for a second, goes, yeah, yeah, you're good. That was, yep. So she's forced down on the ground, okay? And the saddest thing is, is she thinks that to have sex, because the way that she's she she was raised, that the only way to have it was face-to-face with someone. So she thought that if she could roll over on her stomach, lock her legs crossed, and, like, cover her chest like this and just lay on the ground real tight, that she couldn't be raped. Yeah, that didn't stop it. Not one bit. Not one bit. She was terribly mistaken. Afterwards, he slips a metal cable around her ankle to keep her from running away. So the shitty thing about this kidnapping is if there's a good thing about this kidnapping is that the entire family needed to be cleared. 
Based on the identity of the perpetrator, there are three distinct types of kidnappings. Kidnappings by a relative of the victim, which is also known as a family kidnapping, which is about 49% of them. Kidnapping by an acquaintance of the, the victim, or get this, acquaintance kidnapping. Real scientific, right? Real scientific. Never saw that one coming. That's about 27%. And kidnapping by a stranger to the victim, or you're never going to get this one. Never. Stranger kidnapping? Oh, you must have read the show notes. Well, they were there for a reason. They're about 24%. These are based on estimates from 2005. So it's pretty safe to assume that generally, if you're kidnapped, somebody you know fucking took you. But yet we keep preaching stranger danger. Yep. When strangers are not that dangerous. That's the rarest type of kidnapping. It's like less than one quarter of... of Strangers are not that danger. There's actually family danger. That doesn't really rhyme. We have to come up with a new rhyme for that. Stranger danger? Family danger. We have to come up with a a better one. Yeah. You know what's funny is when I moved into the Rocks, I was walking my youngest daughter around the neighborhood and we stopped at the fire station to use the bathroom because she was being potty trained. And I said, I looked at one of the fire guys and I'm like, is this place really as dangerous as everybody says he is? He goes, only if you know people. And I'm like, huh? And he goes, like 90% of the crime that happens in the rocks is somebody you know stabs you. And I was like, good to know. Don't make friends. Got it. Friends like these, who needs anemones? Did you show friends like C's? Yes. Perfect. That's the thing, like every time, like I'm reading the notes and then an email pops up on the top of my screen and I lose like a quarter of my notes. I'm like, go away. I'm trying to read things. You here. know, you can temporarily turn off notifications for podcasting. That's way too much work for me. Because <laughs> then you have to turn them back on. Yes. It's only like two, three hours out of your life, once a week, sometimes every two weeks. It's still too much work. Okay. So the police separated and interrogated the large Mormon family, which is definitely salt on the wounds. They wasted even more fucking time bringing in cadaver dogs, thinking this had to be a cover-up for an inside job. Uh, They had only 24 hours before the odds increased that Elizabeth would be most likely to be found dead, which is And then on top of that, you only have 48 hours to really solve the case, as the great show 48 Hours has taught me. Mm -hmm. Small window is the point. Very small. Yep. And they're wasting time. Like the back window of a house with a screen in it that you have to cut. So it all comes full circle. Mm. This is why we didn't let the cat in the room. Because you're unprepared? I think she said it was eating candy. Yeah, she was unprepared. She should have left. She should have had the candy out of the reach of the cat. What? I said this is your fault for not being prepared to let the cat into your room. You know what? Do you want the candy? I'll throw the candy at you, and then she can play with you. Kind of candy. Catnip candy. Oh yeah, no, I'm not into catnip candy. You're yelling at her for eating her own food. You're going to give this cat an eating disorder. And and then you'll want to do a podcast about it, and it'll just be us going, you did it. This is your fault. Really my fault. We're trying to have a professional podcast here, Steph. Yeah, because we are such professionals, let me tell you. Well, technically, we're, technically, we are professionals because we do get paid for this. I refunded everybody's Patreon this month. So technically this month we are not a professional podcast. We are amateur pod we are amateur podcasters this month. Yes. So they also got very cocky and felt that they could resolve this case quickly. Uh she was a sheltered kid and there was a limited number of suspects who had access to her if they couldn't finger someone in the immediate family. Okay, so media, they were all over this shit, okay? And the police further um, impeded 
the search for her by suppressing coverage of the missing child for over three hours. That time people have been killed in three hours. Okay. So in 1998, the child alert foundation created its first fully automated alert notification system to notify surrounding communities when a child was reported missing or abducted. Now, these alerts were sent to radio stations as originally requested, but then could trickle out to local news stations surrounding law enforcement agencies, newspaper, and local support organizations. Now, these alerts were sent by a faxed form with the information on it, and then that was then distributed to pagers, other fax machines, rudimentary email processes, uh, and old, old cell phones, okay? Um, and then generally, the, uh, the information was posted for generic public view. Now, Utah at this time was using this system, which is known as the Rachel Alert System from a child murder case in 1982. So it is antiquated, okay? The uh, Amber Alert System that we have today was not signed into law until April 30th, of the following year. Yeah. Um, also, um, once the community did get the word, however, 2,000 people showed up the next day to look for Elizabeth. And what sucks, okay, is at Emmanuel's camp, they could hear the volunteers walk right the fuck by calling out her name, and they did not find the camp. The helicopters went right over the camp, too. It pressed the tarps down from the wind, okay? And this point, okay, Elizabeth had been continually raped, and she was a child, so she was easily overpowered and threatened. So she remained quiet during all of this for fear of her and her family's life. So she couldn't call out and be like, hey, guys, because she felt like in that time, that motherfucker could have stabbed her. You know, like game over. It wouldn't have mattered. So, yeah, that sucked. They were right there. Right there. Didn't find them. We're now eight days in. Ed, who is Elizabeth's father, had a mental breakdown and collapsed from exhaustion and sleep deprivation. And the severity of all of this combined had landed him in hospital. The police are not swayed by the massive search effort and returned the family to suspect status because they felt the screen on the back window had been cut from the inside. The cuts are coming from inside the house. I want to know what CSI genius came, like decided that the screen was cut from the inside. I don't know. I don't know how you determine that. It's not like glass breaking where the glass is either inside or outside the house. It, right. It just seems arbitrary. I guess maybe which way the wires of the screen are pointing. Yeah, but once said person enters through said screens, now the flaps are all, like, loosened. It's like once a baby shoots out of a vagina, that shit never tightens all the way back up. you got loose skin now. You have to accept it. Flapping in the wind. That was visceral? It's true. If somebody would have told me that my vagina would have looked different after pushing out a baby in 14 minutes than what it did prior, I probably would have used better birth control. That's saying. And the men are silent. So the police are thinking <laughs> the screen is cut from inside the house. Which, I, uh, yeah, I guess that's a thing. So... Since the, police, since the police have determined that the screen was cut from inside the house, I'm backtracking because I lost my place in my notes. They, Kevin, do you remember when we were on Blow and Smoke and I read that article about blowjobs? Yes. They continue to in, interrogate the family for days. Her <laughs> uncle David managed to fail the polygraph after the test had been administered for seven hours straight, three gay hours, two bi hours. There was a pan hour in there somehow. And of course, we know from previous episodes 
these tests aren't admissible anyway and go away. They, you know, people can fail these all the time, even though they're in a, they haven't done anything wrong. So a family member could subconsciously feel guilty because they feel they could have done something to better protect the child. The police confiscated 12 of the family's computers, which resulted in them finding absolutely nothing. So this is interesting. And I, I just want to point it out because in comparison to Chris Watts, right, they used a lie detector test successfully. They did not grill Chris for seven hours to get a confession out of him, right? All they had to do was, you know, there's regular hour test and then they go back and like, dude, you're a shitty liar. Okay. And then he, he spills the beans. Now he's trying to get out of jail right now, Chris fucking Watts, because he said that he was subjected to these extremes and that is why he failed the polygraph test. But not only do we have one confession from him, but we have like four and two are from after he was incarcerated. So if you lied the first time, how did you plead guilty three more times and even write a whole book with somebody outside of the prison about how you were guilty? Well, OJ wrote, if I did it. Yeah, I just, this is one of those times though where this, this lie detector test, I watched the experts go seven hours straight, sleep deprivation. These parents are already feeling guilty because somebody came in and took their child and now they're grilling them for seven hours straight. And then they're feeling even more guilty because this is taking time away to find their kid you know that this is how an innocent person comes up with a false positive on a polygraph all right so back at camp emmanuel told elizabeth that she was targeted because she was mormon and because she was lds and that just when he talks about you're going to be my wife now and traditionally uh, lds mormons they were polygamous so it would seem like someone that grew up in that doctrine would be more comfortable and more accepting of being, uh, for lack of a better term, sister wife. Sister. So wife. you think this would make her? He he would think that this would make her more pliable. In his sick, twisted mind, yes. Ah, okay. I mean, if you, if you, this is going to sound probably horrible, but if you see the same person, you know, coming to the same restaurant, ordering the same food, you might try to if you're one way or the other interested in them, offer them, you know, Hey, I see you keep buying you know, this burger. You want to get a burger sometime somewhere else or keep coming back here and I'll treat her. You know, that's you, you go with, it, it's a common ground type attempt to connect with someone, but he was also insanely batshit crazy. So that, that just, yeah. Well, at, at this point, he's, trying to get her not to talk about her life prior to their marriage. Anything that tied her to the outside world, he destroyed. He even like burned her pajamas. She got led up in the mountain and I think it was like red or something. And he, it was, it was really going to be noticed or bright pink or something. So they, when they had her changed into the robes, he wound up ceremoniously like burning this thing later to, you know, cut ties with the outside world. Like you are not going to think about these things. You're not going talk about them. Your life started with us and that's it. And um, on top of that, apparently our buddy Emmanuel here is quite the lush that he would bring alcohol back to the camp on the regular. Um, of course, he would try to get Elizabeth to drink and she would try to abstain, but it's like he managed to threaten her to consume cup after cup, assuming it would make raping her daily a little bit more easy, right? Because she's drunk. He also takes this time in his drunken ministering to his wives that uh, he also had plans to kidnap several other young girls so he could take them as wives at God's command. And he was utterly convinced that, like, what is that, um, well, that what's the thing where you, you, you identify with your captors? Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, he thought that was going to work in his favor, that they would come in time, love, in time come to love him, basically. So in particular, right, he decides that he's going to nab 
Elizabeth's cousin, Olivia. She, they were talking and I guess Elizabeth let it slip that Olivia lived in a certain spot. And, and then Emmanuel's like, oh shit, my mom lives like right there. And then he goes off into the woods and pretends to have a revelation. He comes back. God commandeth that I take Olivia as my third wife. And then this motherfucker goes into his little tent and with his shit, finds the same knife, holds this up to Elizabeth and like, hey, you remember this kind of deal? And, and, and he's, off he goes. Finally, the FBI becomes involved in the case. And it is discovered that over 60 different contractors had worked on the Smarts home. The best suspect on the list is a man named Richard Reese. He knew the house and the kids very well. He had a long history of drug abuse and was a career convict. He spent more time behind bars than out of them. And late at night, he had been reported for stealing jewelry and other items from the Smarts. He also had a history of violence. And when he was... Oh, he apparently opened fire on officers during a burglary. That made so little sense, I had to read it twice. Not because you wrote it, anyway, you wrote it, just because it, it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I wrote it for the way that I speak. You do not speak the way I speak. No, no, like just simply opening fire on police officers during a burglary doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, I can't be reading this right. He, he, he fired. Yes. No, I, I, I no, what, what you wrote is fine. The fact that it happened is what's confusing me. <laughs> you never take me alive, coppers. See? Pew, pew, yeah. pew, pew. He wanted to butch and Sundance it. There was an extensive search of his home, and nothing was found linking him to Elizabeth's case. He was also polygraphed and passed. When his wife, Angela, was his alibi, stating that they had been asleep in bed all night long. No one wanted to believe it because he was a known liar. Mary Catherine saw Richard's face on the news and confidently stated that it is not the same man who took Elizabeth. So, Hey, you know, what's, what's fun. You know what happened? while All this shit was on the news about Richard Reese. What happened? Uh, yeah, he went for Olivia. July 24th, 2002. Olivia Macy was sleeping in her parents' room because, you know, they're related to Elizabeth. Okay, so that abduction case is big, and they're scared, so they all sleep in the family room. Now, the only one that was brave enough to sleep in their own bed was her sister. A window had also been left open. Okay, look, you're afraid of the same thing happening to you, so you all sleep in the same room, but you leave a fucking window open? I mean, these families are poor, poor. They have nice houses. They have air conditioning. You get those stale farts in there. You got to get them out. Fair. Okay. But they, they left the window open. Um, once again, the screen was cut and an intruder attempted to climb into the home. Now they have like pictures all across the windowsill lined up. So he tries to go through, knocks all these pictures off, makes a commotion. And this wakes up this little fucking girl. And she's like, Hey guys, you hear that shit? And this man goes, books it. Like that, that little child was enough to scare him away. Now, Olivia's parents called the police, but the incident was brushed off under the rug because they're like, copycat, Richard Reese's in jail. There's no way. No way. Yeah. He's our prime suspect. He's behind bars. And what sucked is there was no way to follow up because there were no witnesses other than this little girl, no fingerprints, and no DNA was left at the scene. Weirdly enough, though, Ed and Lois were like, hey, this sucks that this happened, but it means Elizabeth is probably alive because there's no way that this kidnapper knew exactly where Elizabeth's cousin lived unless Elizabeth told her. That's That's what the family came up with. That was the hope. At this point, Elizabeth 
had been tied up by the metal cable for about six weeks. She was constantly left alone alone with the... Farzy. That's her name for Hetzibah. As she called her for days on end while Emmanuel went to Salt Lake City to minister. Yeah, I needed a comma. She was constantly left alone with Barzy, comma, as she called her, comma, and they were left alone for days. Hydrate or dehydrate, y'all. So this guy's going to Salt Lake City to minister, which somehow makes total sense. I'm not surprised at all. It's where the ministries are. And they would have nothing to eat or drink at the camp. Barzy wound up threatening him. It was time to get some real food and they should go into town together. Elizabeth was forced to wear a white veil to match her robe. At least they color coordinated. You got to coordinate. Listen, you're not coordinating. You're not even trying. Under the threat of violence, all three of them went down the mountain and were relatively unnoticed on the regular. One day in mid-August, a cashier invited Emmanuel and his religious family to something called a China Blue Party. This was a celebration of the alternative scene in Salt Lake put on by a performing arts collective. It was a counterculture to the strong presence of the Mormons. In attendance, there were college kids, punks, arty people, and the ever-popular fire dancers. Mm-hmm. It's not complete without fire dancers. It never is. So I wrote down arty farts, and he did not read the farts. I did not. So keep in mind here that Elizabeth was incredibly sheltered, so the people at this party were just as scary as her captors. Captors, not captives. Yeah, you're, yeah I, I caught it while you were reading it. Emmanuel consumed massive amounts of beer and some bootleg absinthe to the point of being belligerent with his religious dogma. The punks demanded that the quote-unquote prophet and his cult were to be ejected from the party. So I think I think the worst part about this is, okay, he's, he's abused the shit out of her to the point where... They're going out in public and she's not running because she thinks if she does, her family's going to die or he's going to kill her on the spot. So what's the point? What's traumatizing to me, this is probably the worst part of the case, is there are actual photographs of Elizabeth in her veil at the party with these two terrified, beaten blue eyes. Like she just looks scared and defeated. And you only need to glance to see how broken she is in these photographs. It's like mind-blowing and there was a witness at the party who was explaining his story and he's like dude i pulled elizabeth aside and i told her to ditch emmanuel as soon as she could but he didn't recognize her and he was he's sitting here in the documentary he was like tears like you don't think you're gonna you don't think a kidnap victim would walk in and have a drink with you just the situation was so absurd he didn't connect it and he just—he he could have saved her right then and there. And he, he kind of carried that guilt to this day if he had just looked at her harder or something. So that kind of that kind of sucks. And that's it. You guys got to wait a whole week for the next part. Unless you're listening to the future, then part two is coming up right now. Yes. All right. Eric, what are your thoughts on the case thus far? Um, it's appalling. It's there's just so many layers to try and unearth. You have the super creepy religious guy believing that God's telling him to kidnap and rape a 14 year old girl over and over again. Uh, you have the the fear that she's going through the the way that he said when she's just walking around, he hides her in a shrub, and a cop goes by. It. it it's just so many horrible, horrible things happening one right after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, it, it's every parent's nightmare. And 
I'm really taken aback by the whole whole thing. I'd be glad you didn't watch the documentary because if you saw the police trying to justify how they mishandled this case and how that was plausible given the circumstances, your brain would just literally explode. I and and <laughs> that's the worst part for me is you mentioned that it was the most inexperienced that get the night shift. And it seemed like that they just either watched too many shows and movies growing up or Or not enough or not enough, or they were, (laughs) they were like, yeah, you want to be a cop? Sure. Okay. Here's a badge. You start tomorrow, but you have to work overnight. And that was all that needed to be done to, to be brought in. Uh, you know what's amazing to me is like it's just the exact opposite of the butcher baker case. Kev, were you around for the Alaskan butcher baker? You mean the butcher baker and candlestick maker cases? I've been calling it ever since we did that. Episode. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, a lot of the cops were really shitty, but this one guy, like this one motherfucker, wouldn't let it go because he's like, this girl is not full of shit. This stuff really happened to her. We got we gotta we gotta take her seriously. Oh no, she's a prostitute. No, we gotta take this shit seriously. So we did. If he hadn't, that entire case would not have come to fruition. Like the whole thing wouldn't have happened. We needed that guy. We have not seen that guy for this case. There's not there's not one of those guys. We need more of those guys on the planet. Can't think of the officer's name right now, but because I'm garbage. But I have cat hair up my nose. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like in my eyelashes. I really need Alabama to get their head out of their ass and start playing some fucking basketball. Is there a game tonight? Yes, I've got Bama minus six, and they're currently getting housed by 11. I'm so sorry, Kev. Yeah, it's okay. You win some, you lose some. How much However, you bet? Eh, my typical five bucks. Oh, okay. Did you know? So is this a weird a, but true? It is. Weird but true with Kev. That there's a 4,300 square foot basement beneath the Lincoln Memorial that was forgotten about until 1974. It also has its own plant life and ecosystem, along with graffiti from the original workers. Wait, what? When was it built? When was the Lincoln Memorial built? Yeah. I'm just trying to get a rough idea of how many years it was forgotten. Let us find out. Yeah, I'm trying to type. I got one of those tactile clicky boards. And Teddy built Roosevelt. In, well, oh. It was built between 1914 and 1922. So over 50 years, roughly. It's impressive. When we started the show, we talked about the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal. Teddy Roosevelt was involved in the Panama Canal. So <laughs> I did look that up. Oh, he was? He was. Yes, my. You know how I learned that? Night no. at the museum. You ever see that movie? <laughs> yeah. I have not. Oh, oh, you haven't lived. That's a good one. I know it's been been stiller or whatever, but it's good. All right. Well, we have a second episode to do. So. Oh yeah, we need a dare. You know yes. what we need to come up though is theme music or some sort of little intro thing because I have my own intro for the non-offensive dares for the weird but true. Or current events with Kev, like with a little news. You know what I'm talking about? Dateline, today. Hey, Sound Maiden, we got to work on that. We got to give Kev some, like, current events with Kevin, little theme music, like old school. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. The Dares. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy 
Or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. All right. I, I could not find any yarn, but I am still, I didn't bring up last time, but I am rocking a different hairstyle. Okay. Um, let's go with uh, page one, two, or three. Three. Okay. Even or odd number? Odd. Odd. Okay. Pick seven, eight, or nine. Isn't eight even? It is, but I'm trying to break it between 70s, 80s, and 90s. Oh, eight. 80s. Okay, so I need an eight number. That's an odd. Okay, there's only... Okay. Oh, no. Shit. Okay. The first one that came up on the thing was number 81, but we can't use that one anymore because of COVID. So we're going to go with 85, which is invent something. Invent something. Yeah, your dare is to invent something. You can interpret that however you want, but you got to invent something. All right. That's it. All right. right. Done for this week. For us, it'll be 15 minutes. For you, it'll be slightly more. So we will see you on the flip side. Have a great week and uh, make bad decisions. Always. Or make make worse ones. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. I don't know where the button is. Oh, there it is. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.